Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Freight to the Point, a podcast by Zencargo. I'm Helena Wood and today I am joined by David Di Picciotto, the co-founder of Pledge, a company which offers a dedicated climate infrastructure platform to help businesses integrate carbon measurement and offsetting tools into their customer experience. Welcome, David. It's absolutely great to have you with us. Happy to be here. And Pledge and Zencargo have been working together for a few months now. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about the great work we're doing together? Yes, happy to to share a few thoughts on that. So we've partnered recently to offer companies SKU-level visibility across all their shipments and offer them an instant view on the emissions in their supply chain, specifically transportation supply chain. And so this collaboration helps not only Zencargo, but also their shippers and our businesses measure, eventually reduce and finally offset carbon emission to reach an optimal supply chain performance and their sustainability target. Very excited to be in partnership with you guys. I think there's some amazing work that we're already doing. So David, let's get freight to the point. Tell us how you came to start Pledge and how you started looking at making an impact in the supply chain space. So I've been working in the world of, of startups as an operator, but also as an investor for the past few years, starting my first company when I was in college and then joined back in the days a, a UK fintech called Revolut before switching to the investment side and working in a private investment firm. And at the end of that last experience, there was the convergence of three three events. One was the motivation to solve big problems. The second one was just the tailwind ISO in the sustainability space. And finally, the tipping point, which was working in this private investment firm and sitting actually right next to the ESG team, I saw firsthand how increasingly important ESG KPIs were becoming for investors, specifically for LPs of these funds, such as pension funds, and how difficult it was to track these KPIs at the company level. And based on my past startup experience, I thought that's a great use case for software to help streamline things and lower bars to adoption for these companies. So alongside a couple of colleagues and friends that I met during my time at Revolut, we teamed up to build this platform which helps businesses understand and manage the climate impact. And when we looked at where do we need the most help right now, we started looking at high-emitting industries. And transportation at large, with obviously supply chain transportation being in aggregate responsible for around a fifth of global, we thought that this is a great place to start with. And this is what led us to build this open platform, which includes a set of sustainability tools for companies to measure, reduce, and finally offset shipment level emission, as well as any footprint that have occurred as, as part of their business. Super. And it's so interesting. I think the angle of coming into the sustainability space from you know almost taking the investor perspective, I, I wonder whether or not, David, you found from your experience, do you think that it opens a different type of sustainability conversation with the customers that you work with? Or or do you think that the investor angle strengthens the argument because of the background and the credibility that you have? So I think it really depends who you speak to in a company. If you will speak to the management of the company, and they will most likely and increasingly so get pressure from their investors to develop a sustainability strategy and ideally align with specific SBTI goals and maybe develop the net zero target or strategy. Uh, But if you speak to other people in the business, and I think here more maybe about sales team within logistics organization, they may see pressure potentially from their shippers, from brands, who increasingly not only have a reporting obligation, but may also have other objectives such as becoming a B Corp or increasing their score as part of the B Corp process or maybe simply wanting to demonstrate a greener supply chain to their end clients, to their consumers, for example. So it really depends on the on, on who you speak about. Makes a lot of sense. 
And you're totally right in calling out supply chain and, and supply chain and sort of businesses as some of the, the guiltier parties in the global emissions crisis, naturally, given the scale of supply chain and given the nature of the, the industry. But I suppose from, from what you've seen, David, do you think supply chain leaders are doing enough to be sustainable? So I'll, I'll give maybe a more, more nuanced response to that. I think overall, everybody in the industry will agree that sustainability is a topic. It's a topic that's on the agenda of every company. More often than not, it's since it sits at the bottom of this agenda. And everybody agrees that in a couple of years, uh, this will be pushed up the agenda. But for the customers we speak to, if we think specifically about next-gen freight forwarders or maybe larger companies, the item is definitely up the agenda already. So our goal here is is to not only help create this urgency to push it up among the other companies, but then also make it as seamless and easy as possible for them to take action. And do you think it's a perception that that moving to being a more sustainable business is hard? Is that why it often falls lower in the agenda? Or do you think it's often just overtaken by other priorities? So from discussing with varying customer sizes from very large enterprises to even the small-scale freight forwarders with maybe 0 to 100 FTE, what we found is that there are two criteria amongst that others that stand out. The first one is trust. So if I launch a sustainability initiative, how do I make sure that I'm not greenwashing or fall into the risk of greenwashing? And that also comes from the fact that there's not a lot of education today in the industry. So how, how do you demonstrate trust? And in that context, for example, at Pledge, we demonstrate trust through an accreditation we've received for the calculation and that we compute. And then the second part is that a business will ask themselves is how much resources will I need to invest to get set up? I already have a, a business to run. Uh, there's a lot of macroeconomic events which are disrupting the normal course of business. Will this suck more resources, be it time, money, or even maybe engineering resources or technical resources to implement a new product? And so this is where building a modern platform, which is easy to use, can help in some cases alleviate those concerns. That makes a lot of sense. And what do you think we can do, you know, maybe coming from the pledge angle or, or possibly collectively to help these businesses prioritize sustainability? What might, you know, so you've spoken about a platform, are there other things that could make things easier? So I think if you look at the industry today, you mostly have the large companies who have launched sustainability initiatives alongside the next gen forwarders, or also early adopters. Ultimately, the push is coming from the shippers. And so if you look at freight forwarders catering to the retail or FMCG industry, you may see a greater incentive to adopt sustainability tools or to launch sustainability initiatives. So I think we need to go step by step. But at the end of the day, it's really driven by the shippers who, as I, as I mentioned, have three main drivers for requesting supply chain visibility, which are re- reporting obligation, certain certification they're applying to like B Corp or simply facing end clients, for example, consumer demand for greener supply chain. Yeah, I think something that rings true in what you're saying as well is, you know, from a Zen Cargo perspective, we definitely see there's there's variance between how different brands approach sustainability. And definitely on the kind of front line of consumer focused retail, there's sensitivity to consumers, you know, who are frankly much more focused on sustainable choices nowadays but who naturally still want their goods as quickly as possible and as cheaply as possible. So I can completely understand why so so many shippers at the moment are really feeling that pinch because it often, I think, feels like a, a sort of give-take relationship with sustainability and often sustainability, unfortunately, falls off the scale. And, and I suppose from what you've seen so far, David, you know, what are the business benefits of having a sustainable supply chain? 
Are there any practical examples that you can share with us? So the most important one is that it helps businesses gain a competitive advantage. And this is demonstrated three ways. One is it helps them win new business because today, again, coming from the shipper's angle, there's an increasing amount of tenders where just to participate in a tender, you need to have a sustainability offering because this is something that the shipper will need for the reporting. Second thing is even with existing clients, and we've seen this with a few customers, it can help them increase share of wallet with existing shippers. So if a shipper has a relationship with different forwarders, they may decide to shift 100% or an increasing percentage of their freight with a specific provider, because again, they may have a reporting obligation. And so they rather want to have consistent data across one provider that can provide them this emission shipment level visibility. And lastly, it's just about overall business efficiency driver and also potentially helping the freight forwarder itself comply with upcoming regulation, as well as satisfying maybe also an internal demand, which may come from employees who want to work for a company which, although it is active in a high emitting industry, is doing its part in meeting climate demand. Which is important. And it's a really important point, that final thing around you. I think we also see not only our consumers demanding nowadays, but our employees and the people that we work with, you know, I would like to say myself included, we want to work with businesses and in businesses that are thinking about their emissions, that are thinking about the role they play in the wider environmental conversation. And I mean, do you find that even within your own team, David, I imagine it must be quite motivating for the kind of pledge team to know that they're really making a difference and they're part of something bigger? Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, I think if you look at other sectors, probably being a climate company makes it much easier to hire new talent, especially when you look at the younger workforce uh, that maybe want to or are seeking purpose in their day to day. So that's clearly also a competitive advantage. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm interested to then think about the relationship between a sustainability focus or, or you know, being able to bring sustainability into your role for supply chain leaders. So often in this podcast, we talk about the, the role of the supply chain leader in a business and something that we at Zencargo really want to advocate for is taking supply chain sort of from the back office to the boardroom and really you know helping supply chain leaders earn a seat at the table because we know and we can see with so many of our customers that within businesses that optimize their supply chain, the outcomes and the fruits of those labors are felt across the business, whether that might be in you know, retail revenue, whether it might be in business growth, whether it might be in working capital management. You know, there are so many areas of the business that can be impacted by this. But I think often for someone who might be sitting listening to us today, who's operating in a business that maybe isn't prioritizing sustainability, because as you say, there are lots of macroeconomic factors they're trying to deal with. They're coming off the tail end of COVID. They probably have had a, a very busy and challenging two years do you have any practical advice for someone who would like to bring sustainability into their narrative, into their business's field of focus, but to kind of help them get there step by step? Yeah, I, I have a few thoughts. So I think as, as you've echoed, so supply chain have a significant impact for both businesses and the environment. And as a result of that, leaders within these organization uh, are facing new external through shippers and maybe regulators, but also internal for employees, a demand for sustainability. And if we maybe take a step back and look at ourselves as consumers, we've been living in a world of just-in-time delivery of when you press that button at the checkout of an e-commerce platform, you get the pair of shoes the next day. And, and you do that without really thinking about the environmental impact. 
but it definitely has a massive impact. And so I think through bringing sustainability initiatives, such as, for example, if a shipper is presented at the quoting stage, different shipping options, and you can maybe now with tools like Pledge Surface, what is the greenest route to take? Although it may take a little bit longer. For example, if you switch your mode of transport from air to sea, surfacing these insights can help drive action. And not only you then be able to satisfy your external stakeholder demand, but also to raise awareness internally amongst your employees. So that's that's one example. And then another practical example that we've come across, actually, we talked to a logistics company, to a sales leader within that organization, who for whom sustainability wasn't on the agenda. And the person took the call with us. We've explained them how this is becoming increasingly important for shippers and how through tools like Pledge, they could help gain a competitive advantage and eventually win new tenders. And so that person decided to trial our product. And then as a result of that, landed a new client. And this was sort of a light bulb moment for the boardroom, for the leadership team to put now a stronger emphasis on that because they realized that they can actually also win new business. That's a pretty powerful case study for you guys. And and for anyone that's listening, because I, I'd love to give you the spotlight to, to talk about this. Could you give us maybe a working case study or a working example of what using Pledge looks like within a business who are focusing on the sustainability data in their supply chain? Sure. So I think Zen Cargo is a great example. So if you think about Zen Cargo, so the way we've worked together is that Zen Cargo has access to all the relevant shipment data on behalf of their customer. And what they're doing is they're integrating the Pledge calculator and offsetting solution to provide a detailed granular calculation output on a shipment by shipment level, and then surfacing these insights for the shippers in the Zen Cargo dashboard. And then through that process, then you'll be able to understand where the hotspots are among these emissions, how they're distributed across maybe different mode of transport, across maybe carriage, and then finally be able to offset residual emissions that may result from these transports on top of, over time, driving reduction measures to reduce these emissions based on the insights generated. It's a great work through. And I think we know a lot of examples, David, of businesses that are using this. And if I think of a particular example as an cargo customer, I know this is a business who's very focused on sustainability within their decision making and everything within their ethos as a business and having access to the data to identify hotspots and, and then also to to take calculated risks. Yeah, and I think this is the reality for you know, for supply chain leaders, sometimes air freight is a necessary evil. <laughs> you know, if we want to move goods very quickly, sometimes they need to go on a plane. But if you've got much better insight as to what's going on across your whole supply chain and you're optimizing, let's say, maybe 80 to 90% of it by making sensible decisions using great data, you can then make much more educated decisions about when and where you're willing to, to sort of possibly forgo the, the most sustainable choice, perhaps in favor of meeting consumer demand or filling your warehouse when it's, when it's starting to get low. And I wonder if we can change tacks and start talking a little bit about offsetting and talking off also about what comes next. So I'd love to hear, David, from your expertise, you know, what do you think the future might look like for shippers who start to gain visibility and awareness of the sustainability of their supply chain, maybe optimize their supply chain based on that data and that understanding, and then come to think about what to do next? There's always going to be emissions related to supply chain. And businesses may or may not choose to look at offsetting as a way to, to counter those emissions. What are your recommendations or your thoughts? So to set the context, when you think about a sustainability journey, which ultimately is driven not only by collective pressure, 
but also will increasingly so be driven by regulations, there's essentially a three-step journey. The first one is that you need to measure your emission because you can't hit your industry targets and reducing emissions if you don't start measuring them. So really the first step is about understanding the data that's available. If you have missing or data gaps, how can you get that missing data to then build this first picture of your emission? The second step is about then reducing these emissions. So what initiative do you have in place, be it through the use of more fuel efficient routes, different mode of transport, or even potentially biofuel, the sustainable aviation fuel, how can you start reducing these emissions and doing it over a long period of time with a clear strategy? And then finally, because I mean, in transportation, the best way to not emit is to not execute the shipment, you will likely always have some form of residual emission even if you use electric vehicle or others. And this is where potentially offsetting can then help you hit uh, your net zero targets. And when we think about offsetting, there's generally two categories that we can think of. One is nature-based solutions, such as what people would, would typically think about is tree planting or forest preservation. And then you have another bucket, which has emerged in recent years, of science-based removal. So essentially technologies that uh, at scale can suck huge quantities of carbon out of the atmosphere. And this is also the latter part on which we're putting a lot of focus on that pledge. That's really interesting. And, and I think you're totally right. I would imagine many people, when they think of offsetting, immediately go to tree planting. But knowing that there are so many other options available, and I'm, I'm going to make a, a hypothetical guess here, which may be totally wrong, possibly more scalable solutions within that scientific field, there's hopefully a lot more scope for businesses to think about how they can contribute to offsetting even those residual emissions. Yes, and specifically on that point, I think it's, again, a question of trust and transparency because no business wants to, or at least uh, the premise that no one wants to intentionally greenwash. And so how can you give the confidence that the projects uh, or the offsetting projects you're investing in or the technologies you're investing in are supporting the benefits that they claim? Yeah. And I, I'm really pleased you brought that up because I was actually about to ask about it, which is, I think, something that comes up a lot, though many businesses and many individuals within businesses are incredibly well-intended around making sustainable choices and working towards sustainability. Not only let's talk about their supply chain, but it might even be in the day-to-day -day operation of their business, their travel policies, how they think about their, how they run their office. And greenwashing comes up. And it comes up because I think a lot of businesses are very nervous about their well-intentioned actions being misinterpreted or people poking holes in other parts of a business. Because, of course, there's such a complex web of all the different ways in which our actions, the way we run our businesses, the choices we make in our business contribute to the sustainability footprint you know, of our, our companies and us, and us as individuals. What would you say to someone who is really nervous about that, that sort of fear of being pointed out for greenwashing and, and almost unable to act because of that anxiety? As a software company, we try to support our claims and what we do with data. So it's about obtaining granular data on the actual climate output that a certain project has yielded. And you have increasingly a new wave of software that is emerging in technologies, which enable to accurately measure the climate benefits of certain offsetting projects. And so our goal is to essentially surface these insights so to make the connection with these technologies and then to surface these insights about these projects. I think that's a really powerful answer. Data certainly helps unlock a lot of things. And it's a, it's a huge defense if you're nervous about how something might interpreted, be interpreted to always be able to, to sort of show your workings, as it were, with your data. And, and David, one final question for you before we move on to our, our quick fire round. And this is something we ask everyone that we speak to on the podcast. 
I'd love to hear your vision for the future of supply chain, but specifically because of your expertise in the context of this conversation, I'd love to hear your vision for the future of the relationship between supply chain and sustainability. I think in one line, it would be that every shipment will be will be climate aware and hopefully climate conscious. And so this means not only having the visibility over the footprint a given movement has generated uh, and even down to the business itself that's, that's executing this movement. But then also about then the climate conscious part comes in where the business that is executing this operation is, has then taken measures to reduce this, these emissions and then eventually offset them. Let's hope we can get there. I wonder how long it will take. Probably a couple of years. Only a couple of years. I might hold you to that. I'd love to come back and do this podcast in two years' time, and I really hope we're measurably closer. (laughs) (laughs) Don't quote me on that. (laughs) So, David, I hope you're sitting comfortably. It is time for our quick fire question round. We go through this with all of our guests on the podcast. So, first question for you, David. Having seen so much of the supply chain industry through your experience with Pledge, is there any business or company that you'd really like to get you know, under the bonnet with and work on their sustainability? Maersk Kulinago, given the size of their business. That would be a lot of fun. And which industry would you love Pledge to start working with next? So I think a natural expansion would be going from supply chain transportation to then other mode of transport. Uh, you could think about business or personal travel, or even if you start thinking about uh, ride hailing or even last mile delivery. And these are all similar use cases than supply chain transportation, because at the end of the day, it's a movement from A to B, transporting cargo or passenger via a different mode, be it road, rail, air, or sea in most instances. Perfect. And one last question. What's the number one lesson that your exposure to the supply chain space has taught you? It is heavily under-digitized, highly inefficient, and very fragmented. But things are moving very quickly. And so this is why it is a very exciting industry to work in. It's a pretty good summary. I definitely feel the same way. I think it's got a lot of scope for, for some really interesting transformation. Super. David, thank you so much for joining us today and thank for taking on Freight to the Point. We've so enjoyed hearing from you and hearing more about Pledge. Thanks for having me. Not at all. It's been great fun. And thank you also to all of our listeners who have tuned in for this week's episode. Don't forget to like, review and subscribe to our podcast. And if you have any feedback on today's episode, would like to get in touch with David to learn more about Pledge or have any questions, please do get in touch with us. You can find us on LinkedIn. One final reminder from us is that we are also hosting Navigate, our virtual supply chain summit. It's on the 7th of July at two o'clock British summertime. And it's one of the quarterly conferences that we run, which is all about inviting leaders in the supply chain space to talk about what's going on in the industry, their predictions for the future and how you can handle today's market. This time is going to be focused on freight excellence and visibility. We can't wait to see you at Navigate on the 7th of July. Sign up via our link. And for today, from Freight to the Point, and thank you so much, David, and thank you to our listeners. 